0: what is going on allmonster.com we are enjoying a brand new endeavor today and that would be the allmonster.com mtpc monster truck podcast i am robbie haught and we are joined today of course my pic the co-owner whatever you want to call him generally in charge of a lot of things dustin r Hart. how you doing man what's good with the monster truck world Dude, I feel like you gave
1: way too high profile of an introduction for me there. I, I, uh, <laughs> I'm not sure if I'm gonna live up to the expectations here. You built that up way too much, man. This is gonna fall flat on my face, like, you know, going out
0: first and freestyle and just flopping over. Hey, um, that's we're here to put, we're here to meet or exceed expectations. <laughs> yeah, we'll give it a shot there. So I'm here to kind of set the stage for for Dustin to talk about a lot of monster truck stuff. Me to talk about a lot of monster truck stuff, and hopefully, you guys will listen and enjoy this whole process and how we're doing this. It's supposed to be the idea of we love monster trucks, you love monster trucks, let's talk monster trucks for an hour or so. And we're eventually planning on having guests here involved. But for this first episode, we wanted to just bring you in to our world. We've been doing all monster for so long now. And you guys have always stood behind us and supported us. We had a podcast thing before, and now we wanted to kind of bring that back. It's been an enjoyable experience doing this whole thing. And we just want to bring that whole concept of, hey, let's hang out. Let's BS. Let's talk monster trucks and have as many people on to talk about the industry as, as possible. So that's the main thing. I'm going to go ahead and run you guys down just really quickly who I am, what I do, and my involvement. And then uh, Dustin can do the same. And we can get to talking about some of the stuff within the industry today going on right now and it just goes wherever it goes it's kind of like starting a freestyle they always say you plan your first couple of things and then after that we let it loose so I think that's what we're gonna do today so very first thing I am Robbie I have run this site for as long as Dustin has we started it way back in September of 2004 for a show at the Indiana State Fairgrounds a special event show since then we have both moved towards more Websites, more coverage, more great things. We just have a passion for and love the sport. That's what I've always had. I have pictures of myself by the TNT logo back in Bowling Green, Ohio in 1989 and 1990. I've loved Monster Trucks since I was shorter than a tire. Now I'm taller than one and maybe getting to be wider than one too. But we're getting there. It's working out. And I just love Monster Trucks. I've been blessed enough to meet some great people in this industry. And I want to show that spotlight onto them as we go through this podcast so that's the bottom line that's really me in a nutshell and you can check the rest of the stuff out on the website we offer coverage i've worked on trucks i've done photography with the trucks i've written about them and operate the timing system every now and again with the monster trucks for monster jam so there's a lot of stuff going on i'm involved every once in a while you'll see me i've taken a little bit of a step back recently and dustin's done more with the timing system but we're always engaged with monster trucks. And uh, that's pretty much me in a nutshell. That's how we're going to do things. And I want to pass it off to you, man. Tell me about Dustin Hart and what he does. Like I said, a legend in his own right.
1: legend? Whew.
0: Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, I mean, basically, kind of like
1: you, man, just started out as a, you know, little tyke watching monster trucks. And it grew from there, you know, starting from watching Tough Tracks and diapers to growing up with trucks and tractor power, going to dragging my parents to as many shows as I possibly could. And thankfully, you know, they were very supportive of everything like that to uh, lead me to being the monster truck dork that I am today. Um, luckily, my, you know, passion for being a monster truck dork has actually led to me being involved in the industry in little ways here and there, whether it's being a website designer for some of the independent teams and drivers out there to being a photographer, to contributing video work, to this, that, the other, um, been lucky enough to be fairly involved in the industry in one way or the other for the last several years and been able to go around the country now and get to take in a lot of events that I wouldn't have otherwise been able to do so as a fan and uh you know gotten to get to know a lot of different people in the industry been really lucky to meet so many awesome people that keep me coming back for more um and you know it's fun just to be around it i you know it's something I've always been passionate about or otherwise we wouldn't be here you know talking all these years later I mean. All of this stuff for Robbie and I started out, you know, with All Monster basically being a couple of dudes that played Monster Truck Madness 2 and were like, hey, you want to start a website? Okay, yeah, well, okay, I guess I'll take pictures. Okay, I'll take pictures too, whatever. And then it just kind of blossomed from there. I mean, really, you look at the basis of all the people that have been involved in this website, you know. For the most part, started out as Monster Truck Madness 2 dorks. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> team XFA for life. What's up? That's right. <laughs> um, and if you didn't play Monster Truck Madness 2, that reference is totally lost on you. But for the, what, 12, 13, 14 people that were XFA members, yeah, they'll get that. Hey, um, there <laughs> But yeah, dude, it's funny to see, though. I mean, I was talking, I guess, I think it was back in Nashville over the summer. We were kind of just chatting a few of us, some of the tech staff and what have you. and We're kind of looking around. It's like, dude, there's a lot of Monster Truck Madness 2 people here. And uh, it's funny to see how many of us kind of use that as a jumping off point to be able to actually get in this. You know, some of us started our very first contacts just being dorks playing Monster Truck Madness 2 in you know, our bedrooms or our basements or wherever. And uh, now there's so many of us involved in the industry. It's very funny. I mean, we've got tech staff guys. We've had guys that were event managers. I mean, throwing it way back, Cody Socia, he used to play Monster Truck Madness 2 online. Now he's actually you know, competing I, I in the world finals. I am one finals. of the
0: few people that can say he beat Cody So <laughs> It's actually a thing that happened. It's it's crazy. I agree with you, man. It's just anytime that you think you can't do something, uh, we're kind of in a weird way to be a little over dramatic, living proof. It's very interesting how far you can come just by having a common interest and going and sharing your passion with the world and that's kind of what it came to be so yeah i mean i didn't know dustin was going to bring that up but yeah it's it's crazy man like how how far have we all come in the in the 12 years that this site's been you know uh, a crazy amount of support and just we've been able to do things that like you said i never thought we'd be able to do so bringing it full circle now we got a podcast now we got a A group of people that may listen to this and enjoy it. I know uh, Dustin Brown used to, when he worked on uh, The Gravedigger, he used to come out and be like, man, when's the next episode coming out? We need to to have more stuff to listen to while we're working on the trucks to shop. So, hey, you never know. And uh, for those of you that love listening to Monster Trucks, working on them, whatever the case may be, Hey, enjoy. Maybe maybe you'll find something—a little anecdote, a little tip, a little something to think about while you go through this. So, we wanted to talk about a couple of different things today, and just kind of let it roll from there. So, getting everything out of the way, there, I think that this past year of Monster Jam, in particular, uh, we we will talk about all monster trucks, as the name of the site says. But let's be honest, Monster Jam is the biggest show in town in most cases, and uh, I think that. Let's talk a little bit about what's been going on recently in Monster Trucks. I think the European tour has been pretty crazy. There's a lot of storylines developing from that. And uh, general concepts, man, um, I've got to be honest with you. I went to a show in Indy in January, and I wasn't happy with the results of that show personally as far as freestyle judging. And it made me think about fan judging being a thing and coming back in general. Um, i got to be honest with you, man. It's a big, tough topic to start out with, but I think it's a very important one. What do you think of this, man? Because I got to be honest with you, I'm not a fan of fan judging. Well, me either. But you know, I think that
1: comes from you and I, as well as many others out there, being more. When we grew up with this stuff, we treated it more like a um, motorsport and not necessarily a show. And you know, that's something that I think you know the industry as a whole has kind of always struggled with finding a balance with. And it's funny how we mentioned coming full circle from when we started the website to where we are now. When we started the website, we were dealing with fan judging and, you know, it was often, you know, basically biased judges often giving wins to certain trucks. I mean, it's not hard to figure out who we're talking about. You anywho, get a 30 and
0: you get a 30 and you get yeah, a 30.
1: Basically, all it would take would be, you know, your top big names, your Gravediggers, your Goldbergs, Max D's, whatever, you know, however things advance to. Typically, the fan favorite would end up winning freestyle regardless of the result. And I don't feel like we're quite there now, but I felt like when, you know, judging was left to the officials, whoever they may be, I felt like the results, at least you got the winner right more often than not. And I feel like this year has been kind of a glaring example of how a lot of times some of the freestyle results, especially on some of the stadium events, really haven't reflected what I felt like was probably – a better freestyle.
0: Yeah, I'll be honest with you, man. Again, I agree. It's got to be frustrating. The thing that I think about more than anything is it's got to be frustrating if you're a guy that you know you can go out there and put up a winning run. But if you know it's not going to be judged as a winning run, then that's a problem. Because I've heard guys come to the back after a show and say, what is my motivation here? Why am I, in, in so many words why why would i go out there and risk trashing my truck in order to get a victory that i know i'm probably not going to get because of the judging and i think that hurts the show overall because guys i'm not saying that they wouldn't put forth their best effort but they may not take that extra risk that could lead to this spectacular save that could lead to them getting the lead and winning the show because they're not sure it's going to be seen or judged properly and i don't think there's one specific way to judge a freestyle but i think that that's an important point I think it hurts the show and that's what upsets me the most not necessarily that the right truck wins every time but that overall people are frustrated in the back and then that comes across in the pro in in the final product out front too that maybe there's not as many good total runs there maybe there aren't as many risks taken it doesn't feel as competitive and that's that's the thing that bothers me well and you know it's funny because
1: there's something so frustrating about when you've been involved in an event and then really feeling like at the end of the night, the right winner didn't happen. And, you know, I've seen that happen. I've been there for a number of events. And I feel like the big event that's, you know, stuck out to me this year and being in attendance at was East Rutherford, the first time for me this year. And I don't want to pile on to Scott Buto here, but that night was a prime example of fan judging gone awry. And I hate to just pile on, but Buto's run was good. He had some wow factors. He had the rollover back on all fours. He had the backflip. He had some decent air hits. But when you go back and you look at that freestyle as a whole, there were probably four or five freestyle runs that were, I felt like considerably better. I mean, when you look at what Damon Bradshaw put up that night, Todd LaDuke, both Ryan and Dennis Anderson, I mean, Ryan Anderson's freestyle was one of the most ballistic freestyle runs of the year. which was absolutely spectacular. Put that truck on the ragged edge for an entire two minutes and just let it all hang out and did a spectacular freestyle. And then you kind of look around and you look at the judges and you're like, just left scratching your head. And that to me was kind of a wake-up call as far as, you know, I was lucky enough to attend more events where I felt like the right winner was called than not. And then you see what happened in East Rutherford. And then I felt like it happened again in Nashville and then again in Foxborough. And it's just kind of frustrating to me because I feel like sometimes I I love the idea of having the fans involved because I feel like monster trucks are a super fan interactive motorsport. I mean, that's how you and I got our start in this is being able to talk to, you know, drivers and crew guys and get to meet and mingle with them and make connections. And that's how relationships start. And I love the idea of having fans involved but I feel like having them involved in the scoring process kind of delegitimizes everything because, again, there's no real set criteria for how we're finding judges, and then, you know, it's kind of, you know, there's still an element of bias in there, and and that's not to say that official judges couldn't be biased as well. We all have known people that have judged, and they know certain people, they're friends with certain people, what have you, but I just, again, I keep feeling like I come back to the same thought of, when it was in the officials' hands, I felt like it was right more often than not. At least with the winner at the end of the night, maybe second through sixteenth, where I, you know, we could have uh, different opinions on. But more often than not, I felt like the right winner was called.
0: Yeah, and and with something that's subjective, we gotta of course be fair and unbiased and point out. Yeah, it's subjective. It, there's there's times that, you know, the Indianapolis show in particular being an example for me. I felt like Tom Mintz should have won that freestyle, and uh, he did not. But that's why it's subjective. It's it's close, and that's where the drama is built. Uh, but if you have people that kind of, for lack of better words, you know, have that bias, it's not Scott Buto's fault that he won freestyle in, in this sense. And that's a weird way to put it, but you guys know what I mean. It, Dustin's not bashing Buto by saying that he shouldn't have won. It's just, hey, if there were a bunch of guys that, that – Really went above and beyond, and the judges voted for Buto. Then that's on the judges, and that's on the system. That's not on Scott Buto. So, I think those are a couple of important things to kind of follow up with what you're saying. But yeah, I, I just it, it's got to be frustrating. I, I come back to it. It's got to be frustrating for those guys, and it's really got to be a a deterrent for the future. Um, I don't see how that how things progress with putting judging in the hands of fans it might be their first show it might be their 15th they might be a fan of a, a person like you said they might not uh, but when things were in the hands of more professional people that are a little more trained I, I felt like yeah that was the important thing did number one win if that happens then i'm a happy guy uh that's that's the thing racing it's a guaranteed winner hey those timing systems are pretty cool right but when, uh, when we get to freestyle, man, it gets a little hairier, and uh, I, I think that having some criteria for the judges doesn't solve the whole thing. Because what if it's Johnny Johnny Blow's first show and he doesn't even know what a slap wheelie is? But on that scorecard, they're like, "Yeah, slap wheelies one point." He doesn't know what to look for. He has no idea. And uh, is that really gonna you're gonna you're gonna trust that person? You're sending the lamb after the lion in that sense, and I don't like it. I, I think that that needs to be changed. Well, and also I feel like, you know, even
1: the world finals the past couple of years, you know, the criteria for those judges, they were all sought out and they've all had, you know, some form of connection to the industry in one way or the other, whether they were, you know, super fans that have been longtime fans of the sport and attended several world finals or their local event and this and that, the other, all those people were basically referenced, you know, by somebody within the industry that they were vouched for, that they were a good judge. And as much controversy has come out of the last couple of World Finals when it came to their fan judging, yeah, you may or may not agree with the end result at the end of the night. But I will say this, when it comes to Vegas, not an easy job at all by whatsoever to try and have to keep in mind about 32 different freestyles. Yeah, and I felt like, for the most part, they did a solid job. It's just, yeah, I agree to disagree on when it comes to the winners, but you know, I feel like that's been kind of a glaring example of is that They don't have the scores in front of them like some of the officials would that they can kind of go back and reference and be like, okay, what did I score, you know, a particular run that was comparable five trucks earlier or Mm -hmm. eight trucks earlier? You know, having that as kind of a reference in your mind is something you can kind of go back off of and be like, okay, well, so-and-so did this. They kept a pretty comparable run, feel like they were a little bit better, I might bump them up by a point or whatever to make a difference. And I kind of always felt like, you know, I've never really been a huge fan of scoring from 1 to 10 either because I feel like that doesn't give enough range. I almost almost like the idea of being able to give a 1 through 30 score and then being able to average it out. And I feel like we would have considerably less ties to have to deal with. Mm -hmm. But I also feel like it would give us more more room to work with as far as, you know, from a judging standpoint, yeah. it gets kind of frustrating when you basically see the entire field all of a sudden start piling up because the judges gave out, gave out an eight or a nine far too early in the evening. And then the next thing you know, every other truck's getting eights and nines and pretty much yeah. ending up with the same score.
0: So there's that's, that's really the biggest to mistake. With. That's the biggest mistake I would say that people make when they're judging is that they don't hold scores. And by that, I don't mean that you screw over the people that are in the first half of the lineup. I just mean simply, hey, look, it's it, you have a ten point scale. This is what you've been given to work with. So if the per, if the person that comes out first burns the place down and has a thirty, you know, perfect ten, in other words, score, they get a five. They get a six, whatever the case may be. But you make the next truck beat that score, and the next truck, and the next truck, and the next truck. It's very rare that you have somebody to to come out there and just beat a burn-it-down freestyle, but it might happen. I can remember very vividly one of the best freestyles, in my opinion, of all time, Neil Elliott, Orlando, way back in the day. It's a few years ago now. has Has two crazy, ridiculous saves. The judges gave him nines. There were a couple nines in there. Why was that? Well, it's a perfect run. He's amazing. It's so great. Well, what if the final truck, Gravedigger, had come out and beat that somehow? What if he did a triple backflip? There was no room for error there. You know, you never, you just never know. That's part of the drama. That's part of the deal. And I think your scale is a better idea. Uh, One more quick point, and then I'll let you get back to it. Uh, if we wanted to involve the Vans in Monster Jam, and we wanted them to do stuff, why, with today's current technology, couldn't we give them one score? We've always got the bonus judge. We've always got the you know drop out the high, drop out the low type of deal. Why can't we say, okay, Gravedigger's freestyle run is in. Text your score to 9947 right now, and, and that'll go in. It goes in. It gets averaged. It spits out a score. The fans have voted Gravedigger a seven for this run. We've already voted, you know, eight, eight, seven, seven, whatever. High score, low score. Boom, you have a score. They're still interactive with it, and it's just like being on The Voice or American Idol or any of those other shows. You still feel like you have a part part in the show, but it doesn't give the fans so much power that people that have been watching this forever, or driving, or crewing forever, feel demotivated as far as the process.
1: I actually ever re- I never even really considered that but that's actually I kind of a cool idea Hey I, I just how- may I
0: just give the ideas man I'm just an idea man
1: Well, and you know, it's, it's definitely something that is interesting. I don't know how well it would be implemented. I'm sure it would take somebody far more intelligent than myself to actually figure out how to put it into place and then work your production elements around it. Because you and I have both been involved in behind the scenes of actual running of the show. There's a lot of stuff happening. There's a lot of radio chatter back and forth, whether you're talking to the tech staff on the floor to the announcers, your production staff would have you a lot of moving parts, adding, you know, another cog into the wheel kind of is a tough thing, but I think that's actually a pretty cool idea because, again, I like the idea of keeping legitimacy in this. I guess it comes from myself being a motorsports fan most of my life and really trying to treat it like a motorsport. And I feel like, you know, keeping things legit is, you know, something that the industry could push for. I think, but I also love the idea of keeping fans involved. It's just finding a happy medium to it. And again, I think, you know, having a fan option as a fourth score or something like that. You know, you can still keep your drop the high, drop the low. That way it would also, you know, say the fans are mostly pulling for one truck, whether it be a Gravedigger or whoever. You know, if they, you know, overwhelmingly score something a 10 and it's not and, you know, Gravedigger went out and rolled early and got a five. You still have that drop the high, drop the low kind of thing that we currently have with the six judging system in Monster Jam You could still, you know, have that as kind of a buffer, if you will, to keep one judge from scoring or the fan judges from scoring absurdly higher than anybody else or absurdly lower than anybody else.
0: Yeah, it's just that general concept. Maybe that specific thing isn't the answer, but that kind of concept interests me. I would like to see the fans be involved. They're the lifeblood of our sport. But at the same time, not every fan should be involved that highly (laughs) on the scale. So I think that's a pretty good idea. But, hey, what do I know? I'm just, uh, just here. So... Uh, one of the other things I wanted to discuss, man, and just kind of bring up and go through is the summer. Uh, we've we've seen a great, of course, World Finals and lots of action going on, but uh, I, I found a few things just going through results and watching a few freestyles here and there. I mean, kind uh, of be honest with you, man, uh, the Anderson family, the Gravedigger team, is looking as strong as ever. Man, you just go through the results page, even if you haven't even watched stuff, and you go... Son of a digger, son of a digger, son of a digger, grave digger, grave digger. It's like, man, for a while there, things were a little bit, I won't say weak, but, you know, there was a lot of parity there. And, man, this summer, it's like they took the momentum that Morgan Kane and company built in the World Finals and just carried it on. Man, was it crazy. Morgan and Adam win it in, in Vegas, and then here we are in the summer, you know, all the way through almost to first quarter now. And it, it was crazy looking at all that and seeing, oh, Gravedigger won again. Oh, Anderson won again. Either one or (laughs) one of the three. Yeah, well, you know, I was lucky
1: enough to, you know, be involved with the FS1 Tour this winter and, you know, be on the road following that all season long, getting to bring some coverage to the site and what have you. And it was spectacular almost to watch. You hate to see a runaway championship kind of like how things went this year, because it does kind of suck the life out of it a little bit. If you get to say the fifth and sixth event and a nine event season and the championships basically already decided, but it was impressive nonetheless to see what Adam Anderson did this winter. He was pretty dominant in racing. He threw down some incredible freestyles this winter. Um, I mean, Anaheim just absolutely threw it down. Um, you know, killed it in Detroit, Detroit, especially being kind of a big storyline weekend for Adam You know, coming in, driving GD23, which he had never driven before. Basically, there was kind of some talk going around that, you know, Adam wouldn't be winning as much if it weren't for his truck because it's got the wider axle housings and this and that and the other. Adam went in there with a truck he's never driven before, didn't even get into the truck until Friday afternoon for practice, and more or less spanked the field. I mean, <laughs> it wasn't close. And in freestyle, he absolutely dominated and threw down a spectacular freestyle, probably one of the best of the runs that he put on during the entire season, and
0: just spectacular. I would and, say that's the, the the mark, just jumping in real quick, I would say that's the mark of a great driver is somebody that can drive anything, at any time, anywhere. I, I That's just, you know, that's Adam being a great driver. He can adjust he can, he can take care of whatever it is that's up against him odds-wise, and he can make up for those odds with a great, great mindset and just raw ability and smarts behind the wheel. That experience comes through, whether it's whether it's in a truck with a front engine, rear engine, whatever style chassis, however wide the axle housings are, he can make it happen. And, the, the you know, the cream rises to the top, as they say. I think that that's the mark of a great driver.
1: Yeah, and, you know, Ryan, you know, had a spectacular season, burned it down all the first quarter, and then came into East Rutherford, won racing there, got, well, I already said it before, but I felt like he got robbed in East Rutherford of a freestyle win, came into Nashville, ended up having a downpour right before showtime, made the track a complete ice skating rink. He came out there and was probably like two seconds faster than the field right off the bat. Nobody else could touch him. Usually, you know, rain and weather can be kind of the great equalizer. And instead, Ryan Anderson just used all of his mud experience over the past and just dominated. Then came in, you know, unfortunately had some engine troubles in freestyle and didn't get a chance to win to bring home the win in freestyle. But, you know, he is a dominant racer, an incredible freestyler. You know, dude is always somebody you have to consider for a win no matter what he's driving whenever he gets behind the wheel. And he's proven that time and time again, whether he's driving overseas in a different chassis or back here
0: stateside. Dude can win in any truck at any time. That's the scary thing. Jimmy Creighton and, and Lindsey Wink, when they were, uh, let's just say on better terms, together driving the Bounty Hunter and Iron Outlaw at the time, Monster Trucks, they used to ask you know, Lindsey, they, they they used to think, man, he came out of nowhere. He had the wasting winning streak and all that stuff. and And they kind of, you know, people would ask him behind the scenes like, know, do you just have great equipment? And this goes along with what you're saying about Adam. He says, no, I had seat time. We are so busy that I have no choice but to improve every week. And I think that that's something that we're seeing on the European tour as well. Even Dennis Anderson, a guy that's notoriously not been very involved in that, he's let his other guys take care of business out there. Even him coming into the European tour and, and getting a little seat time Kind of a cool thing. And I think that kind of speaks to a little bit of a trend here. Look, all these Grave Digger drivers and Son of a Digger drivers, they're getting a lot of experience on the European tour and keeping those seats warm and that reaction time good and everything there. And, and besides that, I see a lot of people that take that and use it as a springboard for first quarter. So I think it's pretty cool. And, you know, Adam and Ryan are keeping those seats warm and keeping those reflexes good over this time where they're not as busy and then they can roll it right into first quarter. Other people that aren't as busy, I think, are at a disadvantage at this point.
1: Oh, absolutely. And then when you look at how much Monster Jam is really trying to spread things out over the course of the year, I mean, it's getting to be more and more of a kind of a year-round thing, whether they, whether you look at their international schedules to where you've got simultaneous tours going on. I mean, basically, you've got Australia happening right now, that's a five-week-long tour. You've got a scattering of events around – uh Europe right now, you know, that's basically been going since June or July of this year. Now we're looking at shows down in South America during the during the fall and towards the winter right before first quarter and then before we get rolling in the first quarter this year, we've got two, well, three huge stadium events when you look at one event in St. Louis and then two events in Minneapolis right before we get headed long in the first quarter. You know, you're only looking at a few weeks break before first quarter gets going.
0: Pretty Crazy to think about man in in just in the time that even this little website has been a thing It used to be a huge deal to go overseas. How are we gonna get the parts there? How are we gonna work all the logistics out? How is everything gonna work out and now it's almost I won't say like it's nothing because you know how hard it is guys to uh, to make that tour happen whenever it does but It's gotten a little more in sync and now people are using that really as a nice platform and again, you know, like I said, staying warm, staying ready and, and being able to really make this more of a year round thing instead of, hey, I'm going to drive for three months and then I'm going to be super rusty and not you know, not really feel as comfortable when I hop back into that truck in December. Instead of going, had, some people I, I know didn't drive from April through, you know, let's just say November. I mean, that's got to hurt people. And now I think that the the Monster Jam officials and people are starting to see that having year-round seat time is a good thing. Uh, they they promote in the uh, more Monster Jam tour that Monster Jam University. You know they're starting to have a little bit of a developmental system to Monster Jam that's that's more has the spotlight shown on it more. I would love to see. Uh, I don't want to call it minor leagues of Monster Trucks, but. I think that the more monster jam tour has proven to be a solid option for people to really learn the ins and outs of the industry and get a lot of seat time too. uh, between that and the European tour, we're setting monster jam up for success and monster truck drivers up for success for years to come. Well, yeah. And you know,
1: seat time is always such a valuable thing because for the longest time there was no testing. And for a lot of the independent drivers, there is no testing other than maybe going out in the field and shaking down the truck one time before you take it to the first show. And at least on the monster jam side of things, you can see where they're kind of developing and honing talent by taking these guys out to Paxton guys and gals, excuse me. And you can see really where it's starting to shine through. I mean, you can look and see at some of the ridiculous things that have happened on the arena tours in the last couple of years. Um, You can look at what has come from, you know, Morgan Kane doing that tour for the last two years and winning the championship. You know, he won the original more monster jam tour and then the Anzoil West this year. Um, Came, and then came into Vegas and, you know, kind of stole the show a little bit by winning racing because no, I don't think anybody really had him picked to be the winner of racing in Vegas. Morgan's always been a solid driver in Vegas. I know you were out there the first year that he was in the <laughs> Young Gun shootout driving Stone Crusher.
0: Yeah, uh, yeah.
1: Was, I, was right I, there on knocking on the doorstep of winning the next year when he was an Ironman. Again, right there on the doorstep of winning.
0: I don't, no think, he'll, I don't think he'll mind me saying this, and Morgan, just for the record, is a guy that we'd love to have on the podcast. I don't think he'll mind me uh, mentioning this, but uh, I can remember texting with him in the show, and you know, little equipment things make a big difference. When he was in Ironman, as Dustin was saying, uh, he's going, you got that big chicane, you go down the straightaway, and then that final turn is where the races won and lost, right? If you go into that turn dead even with somebody that has, at the time it was the Ukraine tires that gripped way more. Those were the were the move. Every little technological advantage, every little gear advantage that you could get over somebody else, it still plays a big part in who wins and loses. Morgan had everything in place for him to take a victory in Young Guns and go into the main event as the champion of the Young Guns, but he didn't have the tires. And that's what you could see every time that he ran down that straightaway and got into the turn. He had tires that would uh, push they would in other words he'd kind of slide out a little bit in the turns and he'd have to wait for the truck to get some grip before he could attack that final jump i just remember him saying man the tires the tires they're the only thing that's holding me back if i didn't have these tires i'd be good i'd be so good i am so frustrated." you know he's a passionate guy he wants to win all these guys want to win and girls as you said too i mean everybody wants to do their very best and man is it frustrating when you see a guy with that level of commitment lose on something like that, it wasn't on, you know, he didn't spin out. He didn't make a, a mistake. It was just the equipment wasn't there. Once the equipment was there, well, you've seen the results.
1: Yeah. And, you know, he was on rails, you know, when it came to the night of when it really mattered and really delivered some, you know, top notch racing passes. He was solidly in the 16th second bracket all night long. And then when it came down to it, when he had to line up against Todd LeDuc, He cut a great light, which was something Todd LaDuke wasn't doing all night long because he had had a red lighting issue in practice and then leading up to qualifying. You know, he was a little slow off the line, and, you know, I just kind of was thinking in my head, you know, Morgan's got the advantage. He's got lane choice. Todd's been easy on the starts because he's been concerned about red lighting. And, you know, that turn in Vegas is so crucial because if you screw that turn at all, it's over. I mean, it's pretty much done. You cannot give an inch when you've got the best of the best out there when you're racing up against Todd Laduke he got through Thunder Alley perfect straight away hit the brakes halfway at the basically the 15, 50 yard line of the football stadium and got it wowed down got into the turn still had just enough you know Todd Laduke was coming hard he gave it hell that's for sure but Morgan had the advantage he won it killed it in the turn kept got the trucks going straight right away and, you know, powered away and got to the finish line first. It was a spectacular race, awesome final. But, you know, it's just when you get everything to kind of connect and, you know, going right and taking all that experience that he's had over the last couple of years, just constant seat time in that truck, whether you were doing those more tour events, which were sometimes five and six shows a weekend, especially in cases like Rosemont. Yeah. Yeah. You know, You get a lot of time behind the wheel of a truck, and even if it is just in an arena, it's still seat time is quality seat time. You get to really feel out a truck and know its tendencies.
0: Yeah, nothing's going to prepare you for Vegas, and it seems weird to a, I don't want to say an outsider, but maybe somebody that looks at this objectively that hasn't seen some of the ins and outs and goes, why would going to a basketball arena that's small, where they only have one jump before they turn around, be beneficial for you to get experience there, to go to a big stadium. Well, the answer is just what Dustin said. Seat time is seat time. And when you have a chance to operate in a small arena like that, uh, Charlie Pawkin, the arena god himself, once told me, you've got to drive much slower in stadiums than you do in arenas. And I thought that was so important to think about. You know, we talked about people mentoring people. By the way, uh, Chucky has mentored some of the best people that have come out of his camp in the business it used to be hey if you're paired with with chucky or you're paired with uh, john zimmer or some of those guys that really really are at the top of the sport they will help you if you're paired with them on that first quarter now instead of having to do that trial by fire they do have the you know the monster jam university stuff but to finish my point if you have that whole concept of arenas versus stadiums in your mind you have to drive so much quicker and react so much quicker in an arena if you know that dasher boards are coming up all around you and it seems like they're closing in on you sometime but morgan has done so many of those and and gotten so much seat time in general that he's been able to translate that into the big stage i think that they're onto something with more monster jam i was never really a big fan of the freestyle mania tour Uh, It was a cool idea in theory, but honestly, I think that the more Monster Jam thing has really really helped these people. Uh, I know that it's not easy on the body. I know that it's not easy in general, but it really is a good test of your ability and your readiness to come over to the big tour, if you will.
1: Well, and one of the things that I feel like it has really done is is it helped elevate the expectations of rookies, I guess, if you will.
0: Because
1: so many drivers have kind of come in and actually done pretty well as a first-year driver is because they didn't get to their first time out in a truck they didn't just come out and fall on their face in front of a live audience they got to go out to Paxton they got to learn from guys like Tom Menz and Chuck Werner or Charlie Palkin or John Zimmer all these guys have been kind of you know involved in one way or the other when you can learn from some of the best guys out there and they can tell you okay this is what this truck is going to do whenever you do this this is how you have to react and then you actually get to go out there and do it and feel it you know, a lot of it is still driving by the seat of your pants. The guys that are the absolute best, you know, it's more instinct, but still, you gotta have, gotta know that feel. You gotta you know feel everything out with these trucks and kind of get a completely different idea of what you're driving because they're so different from anything else in the world.
0: As a guy that has been lucky enough to to just very slowly drive a truck out to the pit party and park it, and then very slowly drive it back in and park it again. I can vouch for that. Uh, it is unlike anything, and there's no feeling in the world that is A, more powerful, B, more scary, and C, gives you more respect for the worst driver on tour. You know what I mean? It's like, let's be honest. There's some people that get a 30 in freestyle. There's some people that get a 15, and I, that it, it made my respect for anybody that has ever driven in a show go up tenfold it's just that hard people don't realize how hard it is to do this and i i would never ever disparage a driver's abilities behind the wheel uh in in that sense because it is just insane and to go from driving a ride truck to world champion hey much respect to you morgan kane and uh, anybody else that comes out there and really lives their dream and and does that thing man it's insane it is really really a crazy thing to think about
1: well and you know you bring up a good point in the ride truck connection you know adam anderson's got a decent little farm of uh, talent going there because you know morgan kane you know came through the ranks you know started out simple you know just basically grew up with the anderson boys you know running around with them as kids and then Eventually wanted to be more involved, you know, started turning wrenches on trucks, driving Adam's ride truck here and there, got involved with the Sims camp, so on and so forth. Tyler Meningas, is, you know, a new face to the scene, you know, started driving Blue Thunder this year. Tyler was, you know, just, you know, A, a fan of the site. What's up, Tyler? Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I threw that in there. Um, name drop. Anywho, Tyler was a fan, you know, liked going off-roading, this and that and the other, and just wanted to be involved in the sport lo and behold adam anderson's looking for you know somebody to be a ride truck driver for his ride truck down at digger's dungeon and tyler Big, you know an excited kid that he was threw his name into the hat dropped everything came over from i think tyler's from iowa uh sorry but yeah anywho you know moved all the way from the midwest for the summer lived at ryan anderson's house and you know worked the ride truck all day every day made a few connections you know talked to the right people next thing you know he's driving Blue Thunder and doing a hell of a job. I mean, put himself into the final round of the Young Gun Shootout this year, was arguably one of the favorites to win the Young Gun Shootout this year, and, you know, has done a pretty spectacular job, you know, on these arena shows. I mean, some of the stuff that he's throwing down, you know, whether it's the creativity that you see coming out of, you know, doing wheelies and, you know, different little maneuvers when it comes to freestyle – These guys are all throwing down some really cool stuff that used to really not be seen as possible. I mean, pretty much just stuff you only saw in video games. Hey,
0: I've heard the expression, throttle rhythm is throttle rhythm. And that's not 100% true every time, all the time. But, you know, uh, I I can remember going to a show in, I believe it was Des Moines or Council Bluffs, uh, the debut of Ryan Anderson behind the wheel of Monster Mutt at the time. And I, I was shocked, absolutely floored, when I heard him say, To the event announcer that was interviewing him. Yeah, I've only been in this seat probably about 90 minutes total in my entire life. What? But then I started thinking. Well, he's been in the seat of everything, everywhere, all the time. He was just talking about being in a monster truck. But he was always motoring around. Those guys at lunch will go out there and do stuff with go-karts and motorcycles. And just anything they can get their hands on with a motor and some tires. And that's the thing that I think is most impressive is... You can take throttle rhythm. You can take your knowledge of vehicles from other sports. And we've seen some of the people have success at the highest level in this industry that have that as their background. Damon Bradshaw is a name that jumps to mind right away. Man, what a transition. What a crazy amount of skill that he brought over from motocross to monster trucks. And, and just all those kind of guys, whether it's Ryan, Damon, there's so many guys that, that I think just have a tremendous amount of advantage when they come into a sport like that. Hey, Tyler, great job. You know, that's, that's been great. You can make your way a lot of different ways in monster trucks, but I think that's one of the best ways. And that, that again goes into your point of setting the bar high as a rookie. Yeah, well, I
1: mean, you look no further than guys like Damon Bradshaw or even Todd LaDuke. I mean, these guys came oh, in man. and were almost naturals right away. I mean, you look at how much time Todd LaDuke has really been driving a truck. It seems like it's a lot longer than it's actually been. Because he's been so successful, he's gotten so many wins, whether it be racing or freestyle, which he's spectacular in both. I mean, you can tell the dude's just got a, a, a ragged-edge kind of mentality when it comes to freestyle, and he's such a smooth and polished racer. You know... Pretty much no matter what he's driving, you gotta count him in for a win. Same with Bradshaw. You know, any of these people that are coming in with a, you know, motorsports background, especially if it's something that involves jumping, I feel like they have a kind of a distinct advantage in that they're used to that feeling of flight and having something underneath of them and controlling it that's, you know, trying to figure out how to fly these things is not an exact science. But you can tell when the best of the best out there at doing it. Are out on the track. You can see how they manipulate throttle and brake, and how to set up a jump, and how to, you know, basically have the right throttle rhythm going into it and in air and out of the jump and everything like that. You can usually tell when somebody's not been jumping that much because they either go way nose high or they go nose in hard, and it's hard on equipment. It's hard on the body too. You know, it's you know these drivers sometimes they are they try to treat themselves like superheroes, but a lot of those hits hurt. <laughs> especially if the shocks aren't quite right when you land straight on the back of the chassis or right nose in this is not a fun deal it'll definitely ring your bell a little bit and you're definitely dealing with some bruises you know from the belts and everything like that but you know when you get when you see those drivers though that get it and it's just it's almost instinct to them you know it it's clear as day i feel like you know from watching it in the stands and seeing you know somebody that's just they, they just do it on instinct and it
0: just looks spectacular it's just clear as day very much so i i can say there are several different ways to watch a monster truck and you guys could try this when anytime you're looking on youtube or wherever you watch your monster trucks you can watch i would say several different ways one simply put just watch it as a fan two watch it as a crew guy look for things that you see that are odd about the truck and that's something that really really changes your perception of what guys do with trucks an example again i keep I keep going back to that indianapolis show but tom Mintz lost front wheel drive had nothing pulling that truck but was still able to pull off a spectacular save at the end of his run and me knowing that that was what happened i'm like man that deserves a bonus point in my mind and and The problem is that not everybody sees things that way. But I encourage you, if you've never really sat there and watched a show or a a freestyle run or even racing passes from that perspective, look for the little things and just simply focus on those. Are the shocks dropping out properly on jumps? Is the truck hitting too hard? You were talking about the shocks being set up properly and stuff like that. Uh, Hey, is there a sway bar hanging loose? Maybe something's going on that you didn't see the first time, but it'll start to pop up in your head. You'll start to see more of that as you go on and watch stuff. And it's really interesting. It kind of gives you a fresh perspective on how drivers deal with certain things. You can tell sometimes, and I've always challenged people with this. I don't know what we would call it. Like the, I guess we'd you'd almost have to harken back called call it the Doomsday Challenge. Just give somebody a, a freestyle run. Don't tell them where it's from. Don't tell them who's behind the wheel. And see if you can pick out which driver that is. That's a tough challenge. But if you watch enough, you can actually point out and pick out little things about each driver's specific style. How do they handle the brakes? How do they handle the turns? What's their throttle rhythm? Dennis Anderson's is probably one of the easiest ones to remember. But there's little things like that that I think just the little intricacies of the sport really interest me. And I think that's something that when you go through this, you can you can it can bring a whole new perspective to the way that you see monster trucks.
1: Well, and to go back to our, you know, kind of opening point, I guess, the whole spiel here was, you know, we started off talking about fan judging and, you know, you had brought up being able to watch the, watch a freestyle from a technical perspective. You Mm -hmm. know, as somebody that can identify what's happening with a truck, whether or not it's not performing properly in the, you know, the instance of Indianapolis this year, Tom Mintz losing front wheel drive and still carrying on and doing some pretty spectacular things, even if he did use Lindsey Wink to keep his truck up, right? I mean, Uh, details like that are are accurate. (laughs) But, you know, go back to last year's World Finals and Charlie Pawkin coming out. Charlie Pawkin's freestyle, I felt like, at the World Finals last year was one of the most underrated freestyles in the entire night. Mm -hmm. And one of the big parts of it was that truck was broken. I mean, like two hits in and broken and Charlie Pawkin drove that thing to the average fan didn't know anything was wrong with that truck, but to you and I, or to a number of, you know, involved people, they knew right away truck wasn't right, but Charlie Pawkin pressed on and did some pretty amazing Charlie Pawkin things and (laughs) killed it and took what otherwise a lot of drivers I feel like would struggle and probably, especially on that track as cluttered and challenging as the world finals freestyle tracks had been in the last several years. Yes. A lot of guys would have been on their lid pretty quick after the truck burped the way that it did on Charlie Pawkin. But, you know, again, having that seat time, knowing what's going on with the truck, you know, he's able to work with it and make something happen out of it. Colvin Ard this year opening freestyle this year. You know, that truck was having a number of different issues after, you know, a few hits, but Colvin Ard rocked it, especially for a rookie. And, you know, yeah, you know, he's been doing a lot of testing, and he did the, uh, the Amsoil East series this year, and he got quite a bit of seat time, but still, there's a, the way that Colvinard drove a broken truck as a rookie was pretty darn impressive. Oh, by I'm- the
0: way, also, when I was talking about watching things as a crew guy or from a technical perspective, how many of those freestyles has Cole watched from outside the truck because he was a crew guy? That's an underrated thing. Same with Cody Sossier, too. Oh, my goodness. Are you serious? Those guys have watched more freestyles than they've run, and it's not even close. That's a huge, huge thing and a huge advantage for when they jump. You know, if, if Cole jumps the truck and he feels something go wrong, he's going to immediately go, bang, that's a four-link bar. Bang, that's a shock. Bang, that's a sway bar in his head and be able to adjust immediately. And he might not even travel to the next jump before he knows how to adjust, what he can hit, and what he does next. That's the inside story. That's kind of what you may not know from the outside. But Cole, perfect position, guy that's had a lot of experience and killed it because he knows what to do with a truck that isn't
1: 100%. Yeah, you know, when you've been able to sit there and watch how many people, you know, get to go out and run with a broken truck. And, I mean, he worked for so long with Adam Anderson as his crew chief and watched Adam pull a rabbit out of his hat more than one night and make something spectacular happen with a truck that was less than 100%. You know, the people that can do that are so impressive to me. And getting back to, I guess, my original point was, Charlie Pawkins' freestyle score was not representative to the skill that he put forth into that freestyle run. And I think that comes back to fans not being quite as knowledgeable, although the fans that were in Vegas judging that night were fairly knowledgeable, I'll give them that. They're definitely some diehard fans But not recognizing exactly what's going on with the truck and being able to realize that thing's broken and he is doing a lot of work and doing a lot of spectacular things that are much harder to do with a broken truck. And I feel like that's something that should be rewarded. I, you know, it's, you know, again, coming down to a kind of a criteria on how you judge freestyle. And again, things being subjective, you know, we started off talking about Indianapolis this year. We both talked after the show. We did kind of disagree on who we felt like should have won freestyle. I agreed. I thought Damon Bradshaw's run was spectacular. I thought it was an awesome freestyle run, as did you. But you felt like Tom Mintz deserved the win. I felt like Damon deserved the win. And I think that comes down to a personal preference when we're talking about different things in freestyle.
0: Sure. What and- do you like to see in a run? The problem is, right, what's the criteria? If we had a criteria set to go by and I, and one of the criteria was, okay, if you've got a broken truck and you do something cool, you know, beat the odds criteria. That's plus one point. On the other hand, Damon gets a gets two points for having two spectacular saves or something. Then I go, okay, fine. By that criteria, Damon Bradshaw wins. The question is, what's the criteria?
1: Yeah, yeah. There's definitely there's always I think going to be some form of controversy surrounding freestyle just based off the fact that it is is subjective, and you know what I see and what you see and what everybody else sees. We can all agree to disagree and what have you. I mean, the World Finals the last couple of years have brought up a ton of, a, a bajillion internet ar- arguments. And, you know, there's been a number of times. Wait, wait,
0: wait, wait. You're telling me that there's arguing about monster trucks on the internet? Believe it or not, yes. Oh,
1: man. Yeah. Some things never change. <laughs> but, <laughs> but, you know, I've had a number, you know, being involved in the industry, sometimes you get a little bit of downtime to kind of meet and mingle with various drivers, crew guys, tech officials, whoever, and you just kind of sit there and chit-chat back and forth, you know, especially at the end of the night, you know, you're munching on some post-show pizza before teardown gets really going, and you're like, man, did you see that, or did you really think that, uh, you know, you know, like, kind of, you know, the overwhelming thing, you know, coming back to, you know, talking about Buto though, at the end of the night in East Rutherford, we were all kind of scratching our heads, like, yeah, it was a good run, but is that a winner? Mm -hmm. And you know, it it is kind of, you know, frustrating, I guess, to, you know, sit there and watch and really feel like you don't agree, but you know, that is something that's always going to be a part of freestyle. As long as it is a a subjective thing and up to judging, there's always going to be some form of controversy because different people will want to see different things. I like seeing a very technical and high speed and, um, a lot of momentum when it comes to a freestyle. I like seeing different unique things. I don't necessarily care if a backflip is involved in the run or not because it's just one move. And I think that's something that a lot of freestyle judges get lost on is backflips. Yeah. They're cool. They're spectacular, but they're, they're only one move and you know, it doesn't really take a whole lot other than some cojones or not having much sense to go out and hit those backflip ramps.
0: Not only that, but there's an element of luck to freestyles. And I'll never, ever, ever deviate from that. Uh, sometimes guys get lucky. And their truck just happens to go back onto all fours after they've made a mistake. And that's something that... It's, it's a little disappointing to see a lucky freestyle win over a skillful one too. But those are all... We're getting into all the details and the nitty gritty... Uh, The bottom line is I would just like to see some criteria to to account for all of those things. And I think your one to 30 point scale and my fan voting via tech scale. And in in some of this stuff somewhere, we could come up with a system that's better than what's there now. That wouldn't be too hard to explain to people that have just come into monster trucks, for example. And and we could make it a little better. What I want to see is a solid system in place that motivates the driver's crew and fans to all enjoy it have a good time I don't mind a little controversy as far as who wins and loses and I don't think that my opinion is the only one that matters I think that it should be something that caters to a little bit of everything that we talked about here and a little bit just make it a solid feeling after you're done with the show there's something to what you said there man a solid feeling like man all right maybe it wasn't the guy that I wanted but I can see where by this criteria, this dude should have won or that girl should have won or this this truck, you know, whatever the case may be. I As long as you have that feeling at the end of the day, I think that's really going to get everybody to enjoy freestyle a little more and not question what's going on behind the scenes to get a, a a specific truck to win.
1: Well, and to kind of change gears a little bit here, you know, you talked about finding a system in place, something that, you know, is more balanced and everything like that. And I immediately jumped to thinking about the championship series, which I love the idea of. I love, <laughs> love the idea of having a point series. I know what be, you're going to say. <laughs>
0: but, yeah,
1: you and I have talked about this before. But, you know, I love the idea of having different point series. I love the idea of having these the, the stadium point series that we've had the last two years with the FS1 tour to the Oil series on the arena side or whatever. I was thrilled to hear about the stadium championship series, the first go around, the first time it was brought up to me, probably six months before it ever actually happened. And I was mm-hmm. like, yes, absolutely, yes. That is awesome. Something that us Monster Truck fans that have been fans for a long time have been Craving for because it's been kind of
0: absent for a long time on the big stage. It's kind of like South Park, man. The member berries. Remember when the penda had a point series? <laughs> you know, it's it's kind of like that. <laughs> you yeah, get well, we, it, we were it, just clinging to our memories, and then all of a sudden this comes up and it's like, yes. A point series? Ah! But, and then you get
1: to the first event and you see how the scale kind of worked out, and it was disappointing. I was still thrilled to see that. There were points involved, but I didn't like the way that things were scored. And I get the mindset of keeping it very simple, especially when you consider a majority of the audience of monster trucks are not dorks like you and I. First time
0: fans, got to keep the first time fans involved, totally understood.
1: Yeah, and I think it's finding a happy medium. Again, treating monster trucks like a motorsport and treating it like a show and keeping it still accessible for everybody. I get that but the scale was too simple. And I think it showed when you look at this year's events, when you sit down and you look at how Adam Anderson basically ran away with the series after just a few events, yep. he had already scored. I think by the time we got done with Indianapolis, he had already scored as many points as Neil Elliott did in nine events the year before. And Neil Elliott was the champion. Right. <laughs> and there was something to be said about the lack of any reward for consistency because You know, you could go out and finish second in racing and freestyle in every event and go pointsless by that scale. And you could have arguably been the most, you know, consistent and best performing truck and driver of the entire season and it not reflect that way. And you look at what Damon Bradshaw has done the last two years on the championship series, especially this past season. Bradshaw was pretty spectacular all season long. Consistently a player when it came down to racing and for the most part was a top two or three guy in freestyle every night. Except for Detroit when he blew the motor and I think Tampa he went over early. Bradshaw was in the hunt for freestyle wins, usually in the top half of the field every weekend. But it didn't really reflect that when you look at the points because Adam Anderson ran away with it by getting wins. And then you look at your obstacle course or your donut contest and that basically the ninth place truck almost you could say since the the top half of the field makes it into the racing and then you have this secondary competition the guy that finishes second in racing got all the way to the final round made it into the top eight in qualifying doesn't get a point but the person that got the obstacle course win or the donut win which is kind of a lesser competition gets one point so you're you know you kind of devalue things, and I really wish, and I hope that there's some change coming, and there's been some mentions of possible change coming to, that would bring some more balance to this because I feel like things could be a lot more interesting if there was a re- reward for consistency and performing better because right now there really isn't. There isn't that much of a If you go out and get second, you get nothing, and I think it's cool to reward winners. I think bonus points maybe could be involved to make winning more important. But having some kind of balance there, you know, it gives the drivers a little more something to to go for. Because if they, you know, after a few weeks on the championship series this year, a lot of the drivers were kind of saying in the back, well, it's kind of over already. You know, yeah. basically you got to go out and double down every show from here on out to try
0: and catch Adam, and that's going to be really tough to do. Yeah, it encouraged, it encouraged the proverbial home run swing, right? Either you go out there and you win, or there's 15 losers that get nothing and that's a big problem i mean just off the top of my head i would say the holy grail of racing is the final four and the holy grail of freestyle is probably the top five if you're a top five freestyler you should you deserve something if you if you made the final four in racing that's a goal that everybody always so well i made the final four that's pre- something to feel pretty good about and they should feel good about it with points in their pockets
1: yeah, well, and you know, I think just bringing balance to everything, and I kind of I've had a number of conversations with different drivers, Jim Kohler
0: being one of them, and I loved talking to Kohler about this because it's one of the smartest see. guys in the industry, bar none. You yeah, you don't buy into the persona in the sense that yes, it's awesome and he's awesome and he's Mister Excitement, but if you get to talk to him in the background, man, just sit down and shut up and listen. He is he is a smart, smart guy, genius. Yeah. And one of the
1: things that he and I had talked about over the last couple of years and doing all these events and getting to see him over the summer at some of the independent events was that there really was no balance. You know, he kind of made his statement when he came out in Arlington, I guess it was last year, with the rocket zero points. And it was kind of a, you know, a subtle thing. You know, he's poking fun at himself for not getting any points, but also, I guess, poking the bear a little bit at the system and saying, hey, this, this kind of looks bad. Yeah. To have so many trucks at the end of the season get zero points and in some cases, make it into the World Finals because it doesn't make sense from even a new fan perspective. Hey, that guy kind of sucked. He didn't get any points this year. If you're just looking at it from a points perspective, right he got into the, the big show, it doesn't make sense. And yeah. I hated to see that you know the obstacle course winner or the donut you know competition winner would outdo second place in racing or second place in freestyle. And Kohler came to me, I guess it was probably in Arlington too, I think, that same weekend when he was rocking zero points on the roof came to me and he said, I've got an idea for a point scale. You're a dork. Maybe you can figure out the numbers on it. And we sat down and we kind of looked at it about at the end of this season. And I kind of broke it down. I looked at his scale and basically his scale was based off of 16. You've got 16 trucks in the field, score everything one through 16. You're going to get 16. Qualifying would get you a bonus point if you're the fastest qualifier. If you're the winner in freestyle, you got a bonus point. So that would be 17 points. And then from Basically, second place on down to last place, you get a uh, you know a point assigned to you. So second place would be fifteen points, third place fourteen, so on and so forth until you get down to last place, getting one
0: point. Hey, simple. I seem to remember there was a series in Monster Truck Minus Two that did that the same way. <laughs> mm, nostalgia. <laughs> yeah, I'm just I, I couldn't agree more, man. You know that's that's the crux of the whole thing is. Make it simple and accessible enough to where this can still be marketed, promoted, and be great. At the same time, give the the people inside the industry what they've been craving for years. Real competition. That isn't going to ruin your entertainment. That isn't going to ruin the way that you can market the show. It's just going to give people something to hold on to, and it's going to make your show better overall. A little balance, to use that Dustin word. I think that's a great thing.
1: Yeah, well, and real competition, I think, definitely brings out the best in everybody. I mean, there is a certain atmosphere when you're at an event when things are just very competitive. Certain events have that feel. The Young Gun Shootout for the last several years has almost kind of taken my attention more so than the World Finals because there's something big on the line more than just a trophy. There's a spot to qualify into that World Finals field. There's some hard driving going on by guys that are guys and girls that are trying to get their foot in the door, to try and break through and get into that world finals field. You see what, you know, Bari did to win the first Young Gun shootout to Joey Sylvester to um, Cody Sosie. I mean, Cody freaking kicked the door in, you know, the second go round when he got the Young Gun shootout. Cody was so dominant, he made it all the way to the semifinals in the big show. And you can tell Cody was hungry to get that win. He was frustrated he didn't get the year before he lost by the, you know, lost off of a bit of a goof up when he didn't really have his best run where he was kind of the favorite going into the event, you know, after practice and qualifying and everything like that. Cody was so fast. He seemed like he was the clear cut guy to win and then kind of just, you know, had a bad racing pass and threw it all away. Not to knock Mikey Vodders in any way because he delivered. He pulled through on the big stage. Cody comes back the next year. He's so determined and he is just spanking the field when it comes to the times and really was such a clear cut favorite. And you could tell Cody was just determined. He wanted that. And then he carries that over into the world finals field and he shows that he's got something to prove, takes it all the way to the semifinals and, you know, unfortunately red lights, but you know, he, it was basically everybody. I think by the end of the night was starting to pull for Cody just because He'd worked so hard and pulled all the way from the young gun shootout to this point in the racing field and was so close to making the unthinkable happen and win both the young gun shootout and the racing championship in the same weekend.
0: The ultimate double down. What a, what a story. Definitely Uh, Cody. Great, great story. Great guy. Lots of experience in the industry and uh, couldn't have happened to a better dude. You know, uh, you talk about paying your dues. That's a guy that's definitely done it. So, I really like what we've got here uh i wanted to encourage you guys to be interactive as well if you made it all the way through hey you're an all monster maniac or a monster truck dork either one we love you i want to encourage everybody to use the twitter the all monster is our twitter handle and you can send us questions or things topics to discuss and maybe even some suggestions for people you'd like to see on the show i want to just plug that real quick and of course you can check the website out it's allmonster.com photos videos all sorts of stuff maybe even an article. And of course this podcast as well. I really encourage you guys to take a look. If you're a monster truck dork, you're going to find something that you'll enjoy from years past years, present years, future. We're coming up with this podcast. The idea is to have it very regularly. We want to go weekly. We'll see what you guys think of this and then move on from there. But Hey, I want to encourage you guys to take a look, enjoy, let us know your feedback and what you think. And of course, interact as much as possible. We love you guys. We appreciate you guys. And, uh, Hey, man, you got anything to say to these beautiful people? I've already kissed their butts enough. I, if they've made it this far, uh, they're a special person, I guess, because
1: I, I don't know if I could sit and listen to me talk for as much as I have. So uh, more power <laughs> to you, but um, definitely hope to do something like this a little more often. I definitely would like to get some more, uh, I guess, industry involvement, if you will, and just kind of have a just a a relaxed, easygoing conversation, something a little bit you know different from the norm, because I know all the drivers are kind of sick of getting the basic morning media interviews where they got to basically throw out the same things over and over and over again, as far as answers and basically offer something a little bit different. Um, you guys, the fans, uh, you know, that are listening in, uh, thanks for checking everything out and following us on social media and all that good stuff. Uh, if you like it, cool. If you don't like it, let us know what we might be able to change or, you know, what have you, uh, Always open to uh, any feedback, what have you. And uh, I don't know, you can tell us if you agree with us, you disagree with us, you think we're stupid, what have you. Uh, I'm all for it. Let me read it. I'm curious to know what uh, people out there are thinking because I, I think getting different feedback from different perspectives is something that kind of helps me enjoy this stuff a little bit more.
0: 100%, man. If you don't come across with anything else, we're passionate about this industry. We want to make good things happen to good people. So, With that being said, guys, I hope you enjoyed the Monster Truck Podcast presented here by AllMonster.com, and we will see you in the next one. Peace.